With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast, and here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hello, friends. The Tennis.com podcast is back. It is the Australian Open preview podcast. Uh, as always, Steve Tigner joins me, Ed McGrogan here. And uh, Steve, we have uh, arrived, as always, as well, quickly at the year's first major. Uh, draw day has come and gone. And I think the the place that you know we ought to start instead of really going through quarter by quarter because I think that it's a little better if everybody has it in front of them. I think maybe we should just kind of really think of some notable uh, themes that we that we've seen in this draw. And I think it starts at the top as it always does. I think Novak and Serena personally. Both got some um, pretty difficult quarters to be put in. I mean, what did you notice, and, and what comes to what jumps off the page? I guess when you look at their draws. Well, I guess the first thing you look at, Serena um, <clears throat> has Sharapova and Benchich in her quarter. Um, you know, she's Sharapova may not sound like a challenge to her, but it's a tough. It's a. It's still a tough player in her in that area. Benchich beat Serena last year. Wozniacki is also there, who has beaten her. Kuznetsov is there, who is having has had a good start to the year, and and just you know normally Serena wins all those matches, but she had she comes in on a little bit of doubt about her knee um, and how she is physically. So you know there's a, that that that's a little tricky. That's not exactly you know it's not, it's not doesn't seem like exactly like a lock, and yeah. you sort of, sort of feel like after losing at the open last year to me like she's you know it is you know again that it's possible for her to lose at a grand slam yeah and and i think that we're all kind of still i i think that the odds are the odds would suggest that once we see serena finally step up and play camilla georgie and in, in her first round match that it won't take too long for us to see that serena is still the player that we that we knew so well from uh, every match before the Roberta Vinci match, but we haven't seen her play a single pro match since then. And I think that really uh, makes this uh, this kind of tough to to predict a little bit. All the players you mentioned, you know, Sharapova, Wozniacki, um, Irani, Benchich, Kuznetsova. All I mean, these are lo- these are very lopsided records against Serena overall, and and with her at full strength and at full health. Um, there's no there's no scenario when you would be picking against any of them, but she could face a number of them in a row. Um, Wozniacki is interesting to me in that that's a, that's you know a kind of player that you're not going to want to face if you aren't um, ready to kind of grind and rally for a while. 
Um, and so I think I think the Serena um, experience here will be one that is going to reveal itself, I think, almost match to match. Because uh, with her, I think it tends to be one of these, she's the ultimate hindsight player where we, I think we still kind of, you know, we still either kind of doubt her a little bit or we still kind of give her the benefit of the doubt so much. But um, this one's a little a little difficult to figure out right now. Yeah, also she's had some struggles physically in Australia. She lost two years in a row um, with injuries. And last year she was sick in the first week. She had some close matches. She probably, you know, lost a set to Muguruza, lost a set to Svitolina. So you know that something like that, or you feel like something like that is going to happen. It's not going to be, nothing's going to be too easy for her. Even when she was winning last year, it was never so easy. Yeah, and, we, and uh, you know, can we say, you know, what would you say about that for, for Novak Djokovic. Now he's a different story in that not only has, you know, has he is he the dominant number 1 had a three slam season, but Djokovic of course uh after the open really only seemed to get even better, which is hard to believe and he even sort of maybe topped himself this past week against Rafa in the in the tune-up event and uh but he also gets a pretty, you know, I think I think guys that on the right day could certainly trouble him. Karlovich is an obvious example with the serve, um, you know. And also, I mean, if if you you could run into a very you know searing hot Joe Wilfred Songa, that's not you know an experience. I think even Djokovic would would relish. Um, I, I would be. I, I would think that if if he were to slip up, it would be because of him rather than the Kena Shikori. But overall, I, I do think. You know, Djokovic will is will kind of have to get into this into really match, uh, you know, good good match mode pretty quickly given his draw here. Yeah, I think that's right. I think um, it's hard to even say if he can have a if Djokovic has a tough draw. There's nobody a little like it's a little like Serena. You see some good names in his section, but then you look at the records, and I'm sure Djokovic's record is excellent against pretty much everybody here. He, um, I guess Karlovich is one guy. If Karlovich can get to the fourth round where he would play Djokovic, Karlovich has a th- three and one record against Djokovic for whatever that means. He he did beat him last year, um, and like you said, Songa has, has beaten Djokovic in the past, and Nishikori's beaten him at, at Grand Slams. None of those guys are a lock to to get as far as as Djokovic. One interesting match will be his first round against Chung, who is a 19 year old kid who's a who's a fun player to watch. You know. He's probably not going to challenge, not going to win, or even take a set. It would be, you know, it would be a long shot for him to do either of those things. But I think that's an interesting first round match, just to see, to see this kid and um, see how Djokovic handles him. But right now, you know, Djokovic is, I guess, the the other thing you would say he has Federer in his half, which looking way ahead is an interesting, a different dynamic. He's he'll see him in the semis. We'll see what that, you know what that brings if they do play, um, how that affects either of them knowing they could play in the semis. Uh, that's, you know, that's a bit of a odd thing about this draw. They've played in the last two finals, but here they can play in the semis. Yeah, you know, it's it, it's funny. The um, Ten years ago, the, the 2006 Australian Open was the first, I can remember it now, it was the first event that I ever wrote anything about. This is for the old, uh, you know, the uh, unfortunately named perhaps Gasquet and Racket blog, but that was the first um, tournament I ever really wrote about. And at the time, you know, we were seeing 
Roger Federer at the apex of his career, and and it's it's just you know funny to me that now we're we're seeing a guy who I think you could more or less say is in that situation, and to you know to kind of be forecasting. Um, you know, with him, the way we were doing, um, you know, with Roger, with, with Nadal at his peak, I think it's, you know, with Djokovic, I think, I think it, it's, he's the safest bet, you know, surely overall of this term. I think, I think other guys have better draws than him. I think that Djokovic, you know, it's the scrutiny falls on him more than anybody else now, but it's, um, it's, it's going to be must watch stuff for him. Um, you know, you, you mentioned there with Federer on the opposite half there, um, in, in that section as well, um, Nick Kyrgios, who I, you were pretty high on in your, in your preview. I don't necessarily want to, want to, uh, give it all away, but, um, you do seem to like Nick's chances quite a bit in this tournament. I mean, is there any reason why, you know, is it, do you think it's kind of time for him to really turn it around, run it off the crowd? I just, I mean, he's sort of an interesting guy to watch here, an interesting pick. He's somebody new. It's not like, it's you know, it's interesting to think of him doing well. He's in Australia. He he's been to two Grand Slam quarters. He obviously likes this kind of tournament. Um, it seems like if he's going to go deep at a Slam to start, you know, in 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 2016, this would be. This will be the place. He's near Burdich in the draw, which is a tough draw. They've never played each other, but that seems like a match Kyrgios could win. He's beaten Federer. Um, as far as Federer goes, I could see an interesting third-round match against Dimitrov, who seems to be a little better so far this year. He almost beat Federer in Brisbane. He's never beaten him. You feel like at some point he's he's going to win. He's going to win one of those matches. So that's. I mean, I think Federer's got to look at that one first. Uh, yeah. To, in the third I'll, round. I also I, I do like these uh, a possible um, possible Borna Chorich Marin Chilich second round. I think that would be a nice little um, uh, all Croatian match there. I have to say that, and that's certainly a winnable match for Chorich. So that's that's one uh, that I was kind of looking at around uh, around this draw here. Um, if we kind of switch back to the the women's a little bit, and we and when we look, you know, maybe at. Uh, you know, a little farther down, I I think overall this, um, you know, a player that we, you know, didn't get as much publicity week one for her achievements as compared to some of the other big results. Um, this, I think, was based a little on, you know, where her event was and the competition was Rodwanska. And um, she's the four seed here. Um Someone that she could face right away. That um, you you for you know, sometimes you look at these draw th- these draws and uh, you know you kind of skip over the non-seeded players. But uh, you know, right below is actually Jeannie Bouchard, who is now unseeded. I mean, it's it's quite you know from one year to another here, um, you know where things how things quickly can turn. So, a Radwanska Bouchard uh, second rounder be quite an interesting match there. Um, you know, to me, I, you mentioned Benchich earlier. Actually, Benchich is kind of reminds me of really the spot Bouchard was in a year ago. I think really all that the microscope's going. I think is going to be on her all year. I'm kind of curious to see how she handles it uh, at this tournament and really going forward there. But um, if you if you any any more thoughts on maybe the, this top half of uh, the women's draw here, which I think is clearly the more superior half of the two. 
Yeah, Radwanska is another interesting case. She, you know, won a big event at the end of last year, won a tournament to start this year. She's been to the semis in Australia. She probably feels like she could have been in the final. She lost to uh, Sybil Koba in that match. Um, so I think she maybe she feels a little more positive about this. But she has a tough draw. Bouchard in the second round is not easy. Stoser um, in the round after that. Maybe Stevens or Vinci after that. And then who knows? But Kvitova after that. So that's a, you know, that's, that's sort of like another tricky draw for the top seed in this section. Sloane Stevens is interesting as a, as a kind of dark horse in this section. Um, she's also started out, started the year well. We know she can play well at this tournament. She's been to the semis and her draw is not bad. She would play Vinci in the third round. She's on Radwanska's side. She could, you know, there's no reason she couldn't beat Radwanska if she plays well. So that's, I think she's somebody to look at. And I also think Sloane is, still enough under the radar maybe she won't feel the pressure the way she tends to do when you know after a good result yeah exactly and um i I think the progress of the progress of her in particular um with i think a, a pretty good year behind her in terms of you know kind of getting getting really back to the basics of what she does well and and what made her the uh the obvious talent that so many of us have seen um and now i think getting um you know getting some validation with some good wins and um and and i think her progress here at this aussie open obviously she has she has quite the experience at this tournament having beaten serena years ago making a run to the semis here um she you're not someone to sleep on necessarily if you're kind of looking for uh, someone who is a little little further off the top ten line, but um, you know, someone to keep an eye on. I think you know what I want to see. Uh, one match I really want to see happen at this tournament. When I was looking over these draws, maybe not. Um, you know, if, if we're thinking a little earlier than you know a final, a dream final, a dream semi, um, it would be the fourth rounder between Muguruza and Azarenka, and and. I think you got in that potential match that uh you know what would just be you know clearly probably the the premier fourth rounder almost would be Azarenka who is you know I think going to be a number of people's choice to win this tournament based on her playing week 1 based on her experience based on really a lot of uncertainty at the top um but I'm pretty high on Muguruza as well I think that um I think that the year that she put together last year um, and kind of the ups and downs that came with it, um, I think this is a good a good spot for her at number th- at the number three seed. She doesn't have too much in front of her that could prohibit her from a you know a spot in the fourth round. I think Azarenka will be there. Um, and I think that's you know one of the matches of the tournament I think you know could potentially be you know a de facto semifinal match to see who comes along. So that's what I have my eye on. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I think that quarter of the draw is good. You've got you've got Muguruza and Azarenka on the same side, both players who you could even see winning the tournament. I think Muguruza is an interesting case right now. Does she keep going from last year or does she or does she sort of take a step back the way we've seen other players do? You know, she had to retire in the first round with a foot problem, so we'll see about that. But also in this this section is Angelique Kerber, who hasn't done that much at Grand Slams. But you keep waiting, you keep thinking she can do something. 
at a Grand Slam. She made the final the first week in, in Brisbane. She has a pretty good draw. You know, her the other seeds in her area are Bagu, Yankovic, and Bashinsky. So you sort of feel like Kerber should. This is an opportunity for her to to go a little deeper at a Grand Slam. Um, but I do like like you said, I like Azarenka here. You know, you never know. She's always you know a few days away from being injured again. It seems, but but if she's playing well and she seemed to be pretty clear headed in the last and the last tournament, pretty healthy. You know, you know, there's no reason to. I would I would take her over Muguruza in that fourth round match. Yeah, and uh, you know, you look just a little far down. We may as well just finish off. You know what we see. <clears throat> excuse me, the women's draw here. Um, I think you kind of boil that section down of the third quarter into three into three potential winners. The fourth quarter below, I think there are you know cases to be made, and we just see kind of how this plays out. I think a lot of these seeds have very have a nice chance here to uh, to make a semifinal. You know, starting at the top with with Venus, I think there's you know that's obviously a you know probably the biggest question mark in terms of just you know the heat and the health, I, th- I think irrespective of, of what we think of, you know, a Simona Halep, uh, you know, is, is this, is this setting up to be yet another kind of disappointment? Uh, you know, we'll see there, but you know, those two, and I think you can even really go down into the other, almost all the other seeds have, you know, have either a great shot, like a Lazicki serve, you have Makarova, who has tremendous experience at slams. This term, in, this term in particular, you know, she's kind of the quintessential tough out at a at a at a slam. Um, Madison Keys as well, um, and also Anna Ivanovich, who's had, uh, who's, I think, on the right day can, can honestly beat any one of these players, and you know she's beaten Serena here within the last two years too. So, um, this section of the draw, I I think is one of the most curious to me just because of really all the different you know possible outcomes that it could uh, give us. Yeah, I think it's very hard to pick this one. Halep is the top seed and would seem to be the obvious one, but she was hurt in the first week and she just lost to Kuznetsova in a match that it looked like to me that she was overpowered in that match. It didn't I don't, and I don't feel like that bodes well for her in this tournament that she was just pretty much beaten by Kuznetsova with pace um so you know you you feel like somebody else can do that in the grand slam and venus is you know you really don't know about venus she made the quarters here last year but she just lost in the first round of her first tournament she's already gone from number seven to number 10 in the rankings this season she has a a potentially a tough first rounder against kanta who had a good year last year um i guess madison key is the same the same thing exactly she's defending semifinal points at a Grand Slam for the first time, and she hasn't played at all this year. We really don't know what kind of shape she's in. She had hurt her elbow at the end of last year. She has a new coach, so that's so that's all new. So I, you know, that was a, that's a very tough section to pick, um, and seems like somebody we will come out of there that we're not even thinking about right now. Yes, if, 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 if the eventual uh, person we haven't mentioned yet, that would be uh, maybe fitting for that there. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and Venus, I think it's a good point with the ranking for her. You know, it's it's um, you know, we we've Venus had such a strong year last year, builds up that ranking, but that's going to be hard to sustain as the year goes on, and and you wonder if you know if she has kind of a deep run in her in her, you know. 
does she need kind of that advantageous draw? And, you know, she may have it to a certain degree just because she's number eight. But Venus, honestly, to me, has given her best against the best players. She, I think she has been shown to be, oddly enough, more mortal against players that we might expect her to have no trouble with. I think she is actually a, a case where... You know, of course, she lost to Serena twice last year, but, you know, pretty much everybody else did as well. But I think I think with Venus, what we end up seeing, and, you know, it, it, it's hard for me to imagine Venus kind of playing after this year with just everything that's going on. It's an Olympic year. You know, it's, it's not like I have insider trading or any, any knowledge, but it, it, it seems like this is setting up to be one of the last runs for Venus. And I think for that reason, I think, her play at all of the slams is going to be extra, you know, special and important to follow. Yeah. And you just don't know, she's going to be 36 this year. You just don't know whether it's all suddenly going to come crashing down in a way it, you know, it has to, it, you know, she has to have a decline at some point. She's, she's had it and she's bounced back, but you don't know whether it's just sustainable at that. At, and after all those years on tour, but, um, but yeah, it's definitely a, a player to, to watch at this tournament, I think she loves this tournament, um, and has done. You know, like last year, she did well here this year, last year, so that she has a chance. And has she did she play the nineteen ninety six if Australian Open? Or am I? I'm just kind of spitballing here, but it, did she play this tournament twenty years ago? It's amazing just to think about. Even I would think she played it in ninety seven, but um, I think yeah. that might have been her first. But yeah. yeah, it's been a while. It's it's amazing stuff there. Um, Let's retreat to the men's and the bottom half uh, of this draw here, and um, I, I, maybe I'll kind of let you, um, you know, have a look at it here. But you know, maybe we should actually just start with someone who, uh, as I alluded to earlier, probably isn't going to be a discussion point later in the term. But uh, we're going to get the the swan song for for Leighton Hewitt, which uh, will of course be. Um, you would think a night match down in Australia. You get the 3:30 a.m. or the 5:30 a.m. slot here in the U.S. Um, you know, in early in Hewitt's career, I, I don't. I feel like the, the term "swan song" is really given to someone that's more of an endearing figure. And we, I don't think we most of us thought of Hewitt that way back when he was number one. When he was really the player that you know was the Wimbledon champion, U.S. Open champion. Um, but I have to say, I mean, it, it's, it wouldn't be an Australian open without kind of that grinding Hewitt four or five setter. You kind of have to think it's going to go that way. And maybe James Duckworth is the perfect foil for it. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, when the draw was made, the, after, you know, despite all the other top players, the first thing that the, that the, that the announcer who was doing the draw brought up, of course he's Australian. Brought up this match, Hewitt versus Duckworth. Yeah, you know it'll be a night match. Duckworth is Australian. Who knows how he'll react to playing Hewitt in labor. I mean, the history Hewitt's recent history is that he'll go to five sets and, and lose. Um, and Duckworth has played a lot of five-setters at the Australian Open, a lot of epics. So. <laughs> that's, ver- that's very so that, true. That kind of has five-setter written all over it. Even if Hewitt wins, um, then he plays David Ferrer. That's probably... Well, so that you know, that would be fit, really fitting with the ultimate grinder <laughs> yeah, versus right. that's maybe that's where this kind of this story ends up here. But yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, but you know, for uh, you know, that's I think that's going to be a really good you know first couple day um, 
you know really talking point and I think there'll be some I think there'll be some nice things to read uh and said about Hewitt from I think you know journalists players people uh, on site who who've worked with him over his career you know even Rod uh, you know even Mr. Laver himself who is actually you know he's you know very visible of course in even in his own arena it's 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 great to see there so I I think what we uh what Leighton Hewitt gives us for the last Aussie Open uh going to be one of the things that we'll end up taking away from this even when it's all said and done here um you know around around that uh you mentioned Ferrer there and um Ferrer number 8 Ferrer uh couldn't pick up the uh his latest Auckland title I think he had 5 and uh wasn't able to collect the six. That was uh, Jack Sock taking that one, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, this is a uh, a quarter of the draw with another Aussie, Bernard Tomich, in there at 16. Um, John Isner, number 10. Both of those guys actually, I think, get pretty tricky first rounders. And Janowitz and Isner, Tomich and Istaman. Um and you know, on top of it all, Sam Groth also. This is a very Aussie heavy quarter. Now that I look at it very closely. But this is uh, where Andy Murray resides. I, I think uh, I do like Murray's chances quite a bit um, overall in this quarter, and uh, maybe he'll maybe he'll be around if his wife uh, doesn't give birth at the wrong time. That's also a topic you're going to hear about, especially from the uh, the British press. But you know, what do you think of this quarter overall? Yeah, I think it's a kind of a quiet quarter. It's got it's a good spot for Murray. You know, there's Federer and Djokovic are on the other side. Those are the two guys that. Basically, he can't beat, or he hasn't beaten, um, so he doesn't have to worry about them till the final. Vavrinka and Nadal, two other guys, he struggles against. He doesn't have to worry about them until the semi. He's got he's got Ferrer as his second seed. He's got not all that much near him. Tomic, who you never know when he he could be a tough opponent, but Murray's beaten him every time. Is his fourth round? Um, Isner would seem dangerous, but can he get all the way to the quarters? So yeah, this. As long as um, you know Murray's able to stay there and play, I think he's. I think he has to like where he is um, in this tournament. Yeah, and I think uh, <clears throat> your your ask of Isner to the quarters, I think, is is probably ultimately. I think in, it doesn't. It, it's foolish to predict who, but it's it's inevitable the kind of death taxes and. Is there not being able to really just make it happen in, in best of five set here? You know, especially when we're, even though you think he might, he should be able to negate kind of the, the grind of it with his serve and so many free points there. I just, I've just seen it too many times where I don't think, it's uh, it, it's likely to to see where that story ends up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think most curious from a U.S. perspective has to be what Jack Sock ends up doing here, especially, um, you know, especially after he'll actually play the, sorry, he'll play the final of in Auckland. He hasn't won the title yet. He, uh, but he did beat Ferrer in a very impressive win, um, in Auckland. I, I think, and, and he's seated 25th, um, a guy who, you know, with his, with his forehand, just as much of a, of a point ending shot as there is, um, in the game, and I, I think you know beyond where this this quarter the draw. This is the third quarter with Rafa and Stan um, and Raonic as well. This is a 
Kevin Anderson. This is a, a very, very um, quarter brimming with uh, with talent here. What Sock does is interesting to me. What Rayonich does after following up, you know, how he follows up his win over Federer. You know, nobody, nobody, none of these guys can like where they got where they got slotted here, given all the talent around them. Um, and I, I think uh, maybe that's your cue to kind of uh, give us some guidance here. Yeah, Vavrinka is the top seed in this section, and you know you have to like his chances after what he's done in Australia the last three years. Um, but he's going to have to earn it. He's got Sock in the third round, which is going to be a pretty. Ex- you have to think that's going to be a pretty explosive match. Two guys. I don't think anybody hits the ball harder than those two guys from from the ground. And then if you if Vavrinka wins that, then he's got Raonic, obviously another huge hitter, and he'll have to deal with. He's never lost to Raonic. And then at the top, there's Nadal, you know, another question mark. Nadal starts with Fernando Verdasco six, seven years ago. They played a great semifinal here. And I think Verdasco will challenge him again. I don't think that's that's a gimme for, for Rafa at all. Verdasco's won two of their last three. I, you know, I still pick Nadal to win that match, but that's I think that's a tough one. If Nadal wins that, he looks pretty good until until the quarters. Um but if I, you know, I, I would say if Vavrinka Nadal quarter, I would still take Stan. I just like his his game at this tournament. Um, but we'll see. He's got a, you know, that's a tough row with a lot of a lot of big hitters in this section. Yeah, absolutely. Anybody we missed uh, among either draw? Otherwise, I can. Uh, I think we've kind of covered it top to bottom. But anybody, anything else we missed from your perspective? No, I think. Um... Yeah, I think we got it. Yeah, we will be um, we will be providing a uh, a daily preview each day. Uh, starting Sunday, we'll have the uh, matches to look forward to um, going into the evening session, or the really the evening here in the U.S. Um, and uh, and of course, Steve will have a daily uh, report, usually on the most compelling uh, event of the evening that uh, whether you stay up for it or not, um, we'll have our, our take on it, of course. Um, really just coverage top to bottom here at Tennis.com. We'll be checking in on the podcast, too, periodically to uh, at intervals where I, I don't – where we can, you know, say something and not have it age, uh, you know, in just a day or so. It's difficult with the slams in that regard. Uh, this is a fun one, though, to to I think to watch, even with the uh, even with the the tough hours. I think that this is one. Maybe I'll take it back to this, thinking back to ten years ago or so. Is you know when I'm trying to kind of get into uh, you know kind of break into this this sport from a, a, a journalism perspective. This is this is the kind of the the mark of of the ultimate fans uh, following here is braving the uh, the graveyard shift for the Australian Open. I think this is a pretty rewarding one to watch. Uh, we always tend to get, I think, you know, we look back usually at matches of the year that happen, and usually we end up going back to something that happened in Melbourne, something that happened uh, when a lot of pretty much everybody else on your block was asleep here. So this has always been an enjoyable one for me to follow, and I think uh, I think you probably agree with that, Steve, as well. Yeah, a lot of great matches this tournament. I think the courts and the, the little break they have beforehand, sort of the neutral courts, the time off, um, seems to produce a lot of 
a lot of classic matches, a lot of matches where here in, in the U.S. you'll wake up and the five-step match is still going at, at 2 in the morning there. Um, so it's kind of an immersive slam for, for people here. You start watching in the evening, you maybe tape something and watch, still watching the next morning. So It does know. seem endless, yeah, and it's yeah. very fitting for the whole slam experience there. So um, that's where we'll leave it for now. And uh, like I said, tennis.com for all your Australian Open coverage. Um, as well as the podcast uh, throughout the fortnight. All right, thank you for listening. We'll be back next time. You've been enjoying the Tennis.com podcast. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.